0: Da, 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 da. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. the whole world got crazy, seriously, it's
1: showtime. So we are finally back into the swing of things here on the Mad About Movies podcast for 2018, wrapping up an eventful year in cinema as we work our way to the Oscars and to our episode of the best and worst of the year, and that leaves just a few more movies to talk about. Uh, We're we're covering it this week on the main feed with Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. We're covering it this week on the VIP feed with The Florida Project. And we're looking ahead to next week as we wrap things up uh, with The Post and Darkest Hour and so on. So, only a few more episodes here on this year of the Mad About Movies podcast, but still a lot to talk about. Hello and welcome again to the show. I'm Kent Garrison. As always, joined by Brian Gill and Richard Barton. Hey, fellas.
0: Hey, Kanto. How are you, man?
1: It's uh, it's going really well, and uh, I'm really enjoying uh, the time off. Uh, now that the NFL season is over, my work life has slowed down quite a bit, so this has been my opportunity to catch up on the year and things that I maybe have missed, some movies that I've missed and didn't get to see, and, and going back and recapping and really taking time on my list a best you and worst Justice of the League year. Justice three more times? Yeah, had to go and, and just confirm that it was the worst movie I've ever seen, and it's confirmed.
0: Pi- no.
2: uh, the pirated director's
0: cut <laughs> version, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's worth worth going to prison for, I think, just to <laughs> confirm. <laughs> That's the worst thing. What are you in What'd for? What did you get 20 years for? Pirated Justice League. For? Six murders? Yeah.
2: What are you in for? Well, I uh, <laughs> just really wanted to find the Zack Snyder cut. Of I do,
0: I do the, I do this kind of ironic podcast, and <laughs> boom, 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 you're dead. And just <laughs> yeah.
1: Seriously, uh, that would be my life. Release
0: the Snyder uh, cut, though, the guys. Stop-poppy. Release it. I don't, because you know it's good.
1: I don't want to go down this road. We could, we could talk about this the whole time. But um, I have, I've been enjoying putting my thoughts together. I put more thought into this year than maybe any other year on the show in terms of what my actual list is going to be. Thanks to letterboxd, uh, no endorsement there. Ooh. No, we're not getting paid to yes. say that, but letterboxd yes. has been a great tool in me helping and moving and changing my list throughout the last couple months. And I am I'm excited. You guys don't know my list. We're not sharing those with each other even. And we're going to go in in the next couple weeks and do that episode. Very, very excited for that. How are you guys uh, rounding out your year movie wise? Have you seen everything, or is there still a few you're still trying to get to, guys? I've got four left, maybe five that I feel like
2: <clears throat> I need to get to before. So I'm I'm knocking out two tomorrow. I'm going to see Darkest Hour and All the Money in the World. I think tomorrow, okay. and then over the weekend I'll get the Post and Molly's Game. And there's like I, I, there's one or two that I need to rent still, and then I'll. Uh, then I think I'll be good. So not I, too bad. I hadn't not put too bad I
1: hadn't design. had put Molly's game on my list, but maybe I should for the end of the year. Gosh. I just I don't know if that's one that I There's need to so see, many. or if I I can get away with not seeing that one for later. But um, trying to see everything. So Phantom Threads, another one that I need to see.
2: Oh yeah, I uh, forgot about that because it's still I don't even think it's here. Comes out on the nineteenth. Wide. It okay,
1: it, it's right. not in Dallas yet. I did check. Um, not even here, but it's out. Before the end of the month, and maybe we'll see that before we do our list episode, but we might not do an episode on it until later. Mm. But yeah, um, it's been good times, and speaking of good times, normally, uh, this past weekend was the Golden Globe Awards. And uh, normally, like I said, it's more fun. It's the more fun of the award shows. Everyone's just kind of there, and they're celebrating not only movies, but TV the past year. They're celebrating the art. They're drinking uh, a lot, which they don't typically do on award shows, uh, on network television at least, and um, it's usually the more laid back of the two, and taken less seriously than the Oscars, of course, and there's a lot more opportunity to poke fun and things like that, but this year was definitely different with the uh, Time's Up movement and why we wear black and everybody wearing black at the awards. And uh, I think it was a pretty uneventful award show, minus the winners and losers, which we'll briefly go over here. Uh, just the the big ones here. Um, we're also talking about our most anticipated movies of the year tonight, so stay tuned for that. But I wanted to talk about this because I think this Golden Globes, more than anything, will just go down as, oh, those were the Golden Globes that Oprah gave the speech. Oh yeah, I remember that. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. That'll mm-hmm. be the main thing people are talking about after this. And other than that, um, certainly. Seth Meyers had his monologue and addressed some things that have been out there and the elephant in the room type situation. I thought he did great with that, but you he know, should have I, come I, out
0: behind a desk.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like got all that, all that yeah. drama
0: they had with this show. Just wheel out a desk back. I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to stand anymore. I'll just yeah. sit back here and tell the joke.
1: And so it definitely was maybe not overshadowed because certainly uh, the issue at hand is more important than any TV show we made, you know, uh, the way we're progressing in society and as human beings is certainly uh, takes precedent over uh, costume design. Uh, for some, for me it does. I'm uh, not for some, mm. uh, not for Brian. Big into it this year, <laughs> especially this year. Um, and so, yeah, it, it to me it was a successful award show. But at the end of the day, I think that's what we'll all think about is is kind of the message behind uh, the protest, if you will, and the, the overarching theme of the night. But I thought it was. A celebratory night uh, and people enjoying being good people uh, again, you know, and not being mm-hmm, surrounded mm-hmm. by creeps, uh, and hopefully eliminating that from people's lives. So, uh, Brian, I know you're big into award shows. Did you host a party, anything like that, this year? <laughs> what, were your, what were your thoughts on the Man,
2: I, I didn't, and I've only watched half of the show so far. Okay. Uh I which which means I will I will likely not watch the rest of it. Cause that, you know, it's got an expiration date on it pretty quickly. Uh, no, I went the, I went to the Mavericks game Sunday night. They were retiring. Right. Derek Harper's Jersey, who was my like childhood hero. And so I took the, took the kid and, and went and did that instead. And, um, I've, I've watched, I watched the monologue. I watched some of the awards, and then I've seen Oprah's speech and just kind of tried to hit the highlights. I thought Myers did a really good job with the monologue. The the Globes are a weird show. Have become a weird show to host because that really is your only job. Pretty much is just do the monologue and then they'll cut to you for thirty seconds every two or three segments. You know, I mean, he he really didn't have to do just a whole lot. But I thought the monologue was really strong and had some really funny, uh, mean spirited jokes, which I love. That's that's maybe the best part about the Globes is that it it gets a little it gets a little edgier on the jokes cause everybody's drunk and is having a good time. And so you can get away with more there than you can at the Oscars. But this year, especially so much of it was geared towards, you know, Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey and blah, 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 blah. And so those, you can be ruthless towards uh, those people right now because of, uh, you know, the horrible things that they've done in their lives, allegedly. And, uh, so, but I, I thought, I thought the monologue was really good. And, um, they did an interesting job. I think they did a pretty good job of of uh, putting together uh, presenters and and so on and so forth. But uh, Globes are a lot of fun. I, I like the Globes. I enjoy watching the Globes. Don't really, you know. We've we've talked before. There's not just a whole lot of uh, can't give a whole lot of credence to the Globes, just like the results wise, because you know it's it's not. Uh, there's not a great direct correlation
3: between that and the Oscars or anything, but. But it's but they're fun, if nothing else. Richard, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I think uh you know, the globes are it's kind of like the I don't know, like the White House Correspondence Center or something. It like hit a peak where it was really fun and then like we expect it to be fun every year, but then you kind of realize halfway through that it's not so fun. The fun part is the the TV and the movie people are together. That's always kind of interesting, and uh, so it has a a really wide swath. As TV becomes more and more equal to film, it has a really wide swath of of uh, of celebrity there. So it's kind of fun to watch people interact that maybe wouldn't at just the Emmys or just the just the Oscars. But it's it's uh, it was a fun show. I thought. Myers did a I give him like a B plus um, solid really solid job tough job uh, he even made that great comment like he's the canary in the coal mine kind of thing which I didn't know that <laughs> expression did you guys know I would never heard of that
1: never got an email <laughs> uh, <by that>. yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh I just got PTSD hold on oh, uh, uh. but uh, yeah and the, and the awards are always always pretty weird um, sometimes they're in some ways they're representative of things to come in other ways. Sometimes they're, they're not, they have, they have their biases. Um, and, uh, for that, that voting body, which is fine. That, you know, that's why they have their own award show. That's great. It's it makes it kind of fun. And, uh, plus the, the split up of comedy and drama throws a, a monkey wrench into things. Um, and unfortunately speaking, monkey bone won five golden globes. Yeah, I did. That it was a picture. Weird. That, yeah. It's <laughs> weird. Weird. It's year. about time. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i thought it was a it was a fine show and it, it always has its moments and uh the 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 me too movement uh kind of a a crescendo for it i don't think it'll i don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon but it was a definitely a a, a big moment for that movement and uh and 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 that's that's great for for all of those involved and well not all <laughs> Not Not all those it's involved great, but whatever, all those whatever. involved on the, on the on the on the on the pro end of of the of the of the me too it 's great the people that it should be great for it's great so um that's uh so yeah i it was entertaining. I watched the whole thing it was weird i hadn 't uh it's just one of those uh weekend sunday nights where uh uh just kind of didn't have anything going on so I, I I I actually watched the whole thing live which was which yep. was interesting it kept my attention a little boring here and there but it was fun I even watched uh, like an hour and a half of E Red Carpet so I got my Sea Crest on beforehand <laughs> and checked all the black dresses and all that stuff so uh yep. it was good
1: That's fun uh so I don't have TV. I think we've talked about it on the show before, so it makes live not event cable, viewing. just
0: a TV. You don't. I don't have
1: a TV. Yeah, no. yeah. You I said do have aquarium. ATV. Um, Big giant aquarium though. It's a large. It is. Like, not, it's expensive, 90. but it's worth it. Yeah. Ninety six.
0: No fish though. That's the weird part. Just the aquarium. I just like the water. It's
1: soothing. Very soothing. Um, we <laughs> like the noise of the bubbles. That's it. That's yeah, all it is. I really it's like. great, you should try it. Um so some I people like the beach hard, I like it every aquarium. year it makes it harder and harder for me to watch the Oscars and watch award shows and things like that and of course the ESPYs which is my the only award show I take seriously <laughs> Same. and um, absolutely and so a lot of Peyton the time the networks all. even on their own demand apps and things like that they'll block live award shows for some reason I don't understand the fact that people don't want their stuff to be watched. I'll never, under, never understand why they're trying to limit the audience. I don't, <laughs> don't even when you've paid for the app or the access or whatever it is. So this year, as we talked about on our favorite things episode last week, uh, Brian suggested PS View, PlayStation View, mm-hmm. and so I yeah. signed up for my oh nice f- my five day free trial. Perfect timing for the Golden Globes and uh, awesome. extended my trial, watched it all weekend, uh, kind of tried out PSVU, uh fully, uh, watching some different NFL playoff games and, and some college games, and then uh, tried it out for the Globes. Uh, Richard, actually, I tried to tune in to the E Side, But E! actually blocked their their coverage on PSV They blocked the red carpet huh. coverage. And so I had to go on NBC. They allowed their whole show and pre-event uh, to be streamed um, on PSVU. And so I watched it live there and thought it was a great experience. So anyone who has cut the cord already and wants to watch the Oscars or something like that, I would suggest... Sign up for PS View, a free five day trial. I think it is uh, right before that, and you'll be able to do that. So that was my little life hack for that, and I enjoyed the experience. Awesome. And uh, totally worth the money if you can uh, if if you can pony it up, or if you're replacing your cable with that. I think that's definitely mm. a good idea. So I watched the whole thing uh, as well. Definitely some surprises, I will say. Uh, but I don't think I think like Richard said, I don't think this is a year where you need to look at this as the kind of indicator for the Oscars. I think there was definitely some things that the the academy will do differently in terms of how they they how they uh shape out the year and awards wise. But I thought it was a an interesting night and in a very uh versatile uh list of winners. I didn't think that they singled out one movie necessarily unless it was Three Billboards which won uh supporting actor, best actress and best motion picture. It it won a lot, but I feel like um, the other movies that we've talked about that are strong so far were well represented as well, and I think it leaves the conversation wide open as far as the best picture conversation, the best screenplay, the best director, best actor, and actress, and all that is still wide open. And uh, I'm excited to see where things go. But Brian, do you have the list of winners? Or I don't I don't want to spoil anything for you if you haven't haven't watched. Oh the no, show.
2: I I'll pull those up here. Uh, I was looking earlier, so I've I've seen most of them. Okay. The big ones. Uh, We'll go quick because we don't want to spend an hour on this. But uh, motion picture drama
1: was, I think, was a surprise. Yeah, that's probably the biggest surprise. Um, Yeah. We haven't seen The Post, but that was the favorite going in Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I would have
2: pegged. Moonlight, right? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, not Ebbing, Montana. One over Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, The Post, and The Shape of Water. Uh, best picture musical or comedy was an interesting category this year for sure uh the nominees were Atonia the disaster Artist, get out as a comedy which was an, an interesting choice by the uh by the studio there and the greatest showman which was a uh, 3 million dollars well spent I'm sure maybe mm-hmm. 10 million and uh and, and then the, the eventual winner which was ladybird so ladybird over get out
1: which yeah, is uh is, is something yeah that, something that that, that definitely sure. gives it legs in terms of the oscars mm-hmm go mm-hmm. i saw this funny tweet yesterday that's <laughs> we should have had it in our episode last week but the, it said imagine telling nancy kerrigan in 25 years your story will be nominated for best comedy <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a good uh that was a good tweet but yeah that was a strong category best drama was i think it's a it's a pretty stacked category mm-hmm. going into the the final eight or ten or whatever they pick for the academy but um it's going to be interesting to see whether they go the get out route, or if they go, we're going to do Florida Project, Call Me by Your Name movies instead, or if they even choose to acknowledge the the bigger movies of the year, blockbuster wise and and culturally, or if they go more indie this year with how they how they rank sure. things. But well, that's always it. Always depends on the year and and how they go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, let's hit the acting categories now. I mentioned best actress was France, Frances McDormand for yeah. For uh, three billboards, mm-hmm. and she um, got that over
2: Sally Hawkins, Meryl mm-hmm. Street, Michelle Williams for uh, all the money in the world, and Jessica Chastain It's pretty strong. Well,
1: I have, I mean, we're talking about it tonight, but I mean, Sally Hawkins. For anyone to beat Sally Hawkins this year is, you got to really bring it. And American Treasure, Francis McDormand is one of the few people that can, that could bring more than what Sally Hawkins brought to The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. I thought. Uh, Sally Hawkins was just enormously fantastic, and in what she brought, and the the difference she made in terms of the casting and all that. of That that role was written for Sally Hawkins. Garamo said it like it was so perfect for her that um, she's her. It's neck and neck, in my opinion, between her and Francis for for Best Actress, but Saoirse right behind him, right behind him.
2: Yeah, it, this is a great, this is, Oscar nominations are going to be fun, mm-hmm. and you, you know, eventual award is going to be great, because this is an awesome year, for, for female lead performances. Yeah, uh, You know, this category, without including the comedies, is Francis McDormand and Sally Hawkins and Meryl Streep and right. Michelle Williams and Jessica Chastain, and then you look at the the comedy, and it's Cersei Ronan and and Judy Dench and Helen Mirren and Margot Robbie and Emma Stone, and that's that's ten. I mean, those are big names and yep. big performances, and, and 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 all really deserving. I mean, I I think there's a lot of years where, and maybe more importantly, of those ten movies, eight of them are movies that people really had an opportunity to see even if they didn't see battle of the sexes like it was in 2000 theaters and it was it was available for people to go see and a lot of times the uh you know the the best actors category will have one or two heavy hitters and then like that movie was it still alice that literally I mean like never got in that Julian Moore won for and it never got any theatrical run and there's always these and not to in any way say that little movies or indie movies don't matter we love indie movies here but I always would like for the big Oscar nominated categories to be from movies that people have had a chance to see because otherwise then they, they walk away saying I don't even know what any of these movies are and you know awards the movies stink and it's I just I don't mm-hmm. want to have that take place so um this is this is gonna be a great year for that for uh for the women uh cersei ronan won for comedy over the, the actresses i already mentioned uh best actor in a drama timothy chalamet and daniel day lewis and tom hanks and denzel washington all came in second or third fourth fifth to gary oldman of the darkest hour yeah. Very
1: excited to see that this week. He seems surprised. Sure. Which why? Why would? Because mm. I guess he's been nominated for everything and never wins. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I mean, when you're nominated against Daniel Day Lewis and Tom Hanks and Denzel, it's like I won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. anybody would be surprised. But yeah, that's amazing. Strong. That's strong really
2: cool. again. And uh, for comedy actor in a comedy was uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, Kalu- excuse me, and Steve Carell, Ansel Elgert, Hugh Jackman. Somehow nominated for the Greatest Showman and not Logan, and uh, the eventual winner was was James Franco. So that category is going to be stacked as well yeah. uh, in the once the Oscars come out. Um, but I would say for maybe the first time I can remember in a in a, in a while anyway the uh, the the actress category is is going to be uh, perhaps even stronger than, yeah. than the actor. Y- you it's think gonna awesome.
1: it's going to be? I think it's going to be exactly who they had as um, in drama. So I think it's going to be. Daniel Day Lewis, Tom Hanks, Gary Oldman, Timothy Chalamet, and I think it's that last spot—that Denzel slash James Franco slash Daniel Kaluuya or whoever else mm-hmm. they decide to put mm-hmm. there. I think that's yeah. the. The others are the other four are solid nominees, but I think that that last one will be up in mm-hmm. the air. I, I'd Agreed. be surprised if the Academy recognizes Franco. And puts him as a nominee. Uh, um,
0: especially with these new allegations everywhere. Yeah,
1: I would have said yesterday he's a shoe in for it, but after allegations today, who who
0: knows?
2: So. Right.
1: So, I mean, I'm surprised it, it, that he won for this. Uh, I thought he was good, but I didn't think he was any better than any of the other performances in that category. And when he did win, the most Franco thing ever of Tommy Wiseau comes on stage with you, and you take the entire time for yourself and don't let Tommy, <laughs> who's... You wouldn't have the movie with, not for him. And he, you know, it it would have been so awesome. Picture this. If Franco wins the award, goes up on stage with Tommy, gives Tommy the award, and was like, you deserve this more than I do, kind of a thing. Uh, you've worked your whole life for this. You inspired this movie. You inspired everybody to chase their dreams. And he, like, did a, I'm sharing this award with Tommy kind of a thing. You know, I think that would have been a way way better than to block him from the mic and then not let him talk. And then it was just on Twitter after that, it was just like, how can you not let Tommy was so speak at that? Like just, that would have been a great moment just to hear what he would have said would have been funny, but I thought it was very pretentious and, and very Franco of him to, uh, <laughs> make it all about himself in that moment where he or,
0: played or just, the guy next to him the whole time or, or just go up there and accept the word. Cause a lot of people don't invite the person whom they portrayed on stage, but right. he, he waved him on stage. So if you're going to right, and stage, then to not but,
1: let him talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was very, very it should have been played different, but, um, hopefully we're done with that. Hopefully that's the, <laughs> that's all we see there. Um, so we got supporting the best supporting actress, actress was, uh, yeah, let's go quickly. was
2: uh Mary J. Blige excuse me, Mary J. Blige, Hong Xiao, Laurie Metcalf, Octavia Spencer, and they uh the winner of that category was American Treasure. Allison Janey. Well deserved, I think. I would I definitely expect a uh an Oscar for her this year. I think she's she's putting that uh solidifying that. It's gonna pretty be strongly. her and
0: Metcalf for sure, I think. But think yeah. she's the heavy uh-huh. favorite. Yeah, I think so too.
2: Uh best supporting actor uh Willem Dafoe, Army Hammer, Richard Jenkins, North American Treasure Christopher Plummer, and they all lost to American Treasure Sam Rockwell. And that was cool. Not just because I mean he's great in everything that he does. That one felt like and I didn't watch the whole show, so maybe there were other moments like this that I missed. That one felt like the whole room was, was super enthused yeah. for him. Like yeah. it was that was a maybe for an award, I that I saw that was the loudest cheer of the night. People, I think people, I don't know. Sam Rockwell just has that kind of like he's an actor's actor. I think, and that was it. it felt like uh, people were were super on his side for that, which was great. Because very cool, yeah, it was fantastic. a good moment.
1: He's fantastic. Very good moment. Um, uh, d- we'll d- round director, it out. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, best I'll director. Knock out
2: director and screenplay. Uh, director was Martin McDonough for uh, Three Billboards. Christopher Nolan, Ridley Scott. American Tracer Steven Spielberg, and they all lost to Guillermo del Toro, who we'll be talking about in just a few minutes here. So that was was a surprise, I thought, to me, anyway. Uh, And then your best screenplay was for The Post, for Molly's Game, for The Shape of Water, for Lady Bird, and eventually Martin McDonough won for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So the big night.
1: For those folks, and, he uh, seemed and, and pretty surprised to to win that. Yeah,
2: i I would have been too if I was if I was him. I mean, the yeah. movie's very good. It just that it got a lot of love that I I didn't necessarily expect outside of Francis McDormand.
1: Yeah, um, maybe some surprises. Uh, the fact that Marvelous Mrs. Maisel won best comp- comedy TV series over Master of None and Blackish and Will and Grace and some other shows. Uh, I haven't seen Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I bet a lot of people are looking that up now, that it won over (laughs) some very popular shows.
0: My girlfriend and I are very excited for her win. Not my wife, my girlfriend. Um, (laughs) Rachel and I are... might
2: be in love with with Rachel Brosnahan. Uh, The Globes love Amazon yeah tv because like mozart yeah. in the jungle won a couple years ago and literally no one had heard of mozart in the jungle and so on and so forth
1: so they're, they're big into that oh they are for sure uh well aziz did win for master of none for best actor so that was cool um finally beat william h macy for that hilarious role in shameless that he he's oh, just bringing the laughs, laughs every every year i mean every year um <laughs> <so> <laughs> uh, it is kind of interesting or not interesting but maybe a little bit of a shocker. Not. Not to a lot of people, but to the general public it is. Um, For Best Show for Drama, the nominees were The Crown, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, This Is Us, and The Handmaid's Tale. And The Handmaid's Tale won. And of those five, The Handmaid's Tale was by far the least talked about in terms of pop culture than Stranger Things, and This Is Us, and Game of Thrones, and The Crown. I feel like those are all unavoidable this year. Handmaid's Tale was very good, but still flew under the radar. Uh, Elizabeth Moss won for Best Actress of the Globes, and uh, it was well awarded too. So I think you're right, and the, the 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 big four networks have got to be more and more nervous with every single award show because not only are the the on-demand shows winning the streaming services, but uh, HBO was a big player, and uh, Fargo won for you, McGregor. Big Little Lies was big too. So I don't I don't know actually no. This is Us. Sterling K. Brown won for This Is Us. That was the only four major networks uh, thing that won an award at the Golden Globe. So that's not it's not great for. And, for it, and
0: it's still it, it had some. I mean, it, I, I think saw, it's great.
1: I think it is. It's good, great, but.
0: and it had a lot of zeitgeist too. I mean, especially with the. I mean, it was pretty heavy in the culture, and and it it's swe- it kicked at the at the Emmys too. It won a ton oh, I know. of stuff. Remember. Mm-hmm. And and then it was, I mean, I, it's constantly still in my feed because, you know, like the political allegory. Oh, I understand. Like
1: but I, I just like.
0: I see people but, talk about that one, uh, the crown probably not. I mean, Game of Thrones is its own thing,
1: but and strangely oh, like, I cannot avoid the crown. Maybe it's just my social group, but it's like <laughs> every person I've ever met has watched and loves it and only wants to talk about the crown. I don't understand. It's fine. Um. OK, so that's the Golden Globes. Uh, we're moving into 2018 now, and uh, some big movies coming out this year. Uh, just in generally, uh, looking at the list, when we were coming up with our most anticipated or, or writing them down, um, not a huge year in terms of big, giant blockbusters, in, in, unless it's uh, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, or that Avengers um, Infinity War. It's, uh, I would say, a light year on the blockbuster side. Uh, compared to mm-hmm. 2017, which is an unusually heavy year in terms of tentpole blockbuster movies. Uh, so maybe we'll have a light year as far as that goes, but a bigger year in the Oscar side of things. And so that's exciting too. But uh, just looking at the list, not an overly optimistic viewpoint, in my opinion, of this year. I, I think we're it's going to be a sort of median year in terms of our output. But I said that last year, and I thought uh, at least the first half of the year was way better than I had anticipated it being in terms of the quality of the movies. There were very few F-minus, minus, minuses awarded in the first half of the year. So hopefully that's the case this time. We've each ranked our top three. Um, I'm going to give my top three here, and I'll just kind of highlight them, and you guys can chime in with hilarious comments or uh, <laughs> That's what we're good at.
2: Oh, yeah, that's what you do. At least one of us. That's what you do.
1: So I'm going to... Say, my third most anticipated movie, or no particular order, actually, the number one is number one, but the other two are interchangeable, um, is Deadpool 2. Really mm-hmm. excited for for Deadpool and where they go with that. Um, I think the trailer with the Bob Ross stuff is hilarious. I think they perfectly know what Deadpool is, what fans like about Deadpool, and they're just going to exploit that to the max, hopefully, of the second one. Uh, as long as Ryan Reynolds is involved, I have confidence. I know there was a shakeup with... Uh, directors and everything and and where they should go with the story, but I think Ryan Reynolds is the voice, literally, of Deadpool and knows how to kind of steer the fan base and steer the franchise in the right direction. I'm excited for the possibility of it eventually crossing over with X-Men slash Avengers, so um, excited, really excited for Deadpool too, and um, it'll be Probably one of my most anticipated of the year in terms of going into the theater, seeing it, and uh, just being excited, sitting in my seat for what I'm about to see. So sure. uh, that's one yeah, of mine. Can't wait. Um, another one that – this is probably my most risky pick of the three is um, Shane Black's reboot of The Predator, and it's called The Predator. And I've always never really been a huge fan of The Predator movies. Because they haven't had any really great movies yet. Uh, I think it's a really cool property. I like the idea of the Predator and the powers of the Predator and, and the creature design and all of that. I, I think it's really cool, and I love um, certain elements of the first Predator, and I love certain elements of that one with Adrian Brody that they did a few years ago. I think there's always been maybe one or two scenes in each movie that are good, but nobody has yet to get it right. Um, I'm willing to give Shane, back, Shane Black a chance yeah. uh, to get it right, and I think he can bring a cool spin to that. And I just think that's a cool franchise. That if you can, if you can give me a B plus or a B kind of movie, I'm all in for that, and I'll see those every summer. But so far, all we've gotten are C movies, and I'm just, I'm just waiting for somebody to do Predator right. And so, big risk, but I think that could be a really cool payoff if it's any, if it's even decent. I think it'd be really cool.
0: And it's definitely the best movie ever to feature two future governors.
1: I think yeah. that's inarguable.
0: <laughs> um so you know, keep an eye out on this one, you know.
1: I Carl Weathers is, casted, is running but... for governor of of Delaware, I think, so so oh, you need to no. um go ahead. Uh Richard with uh I guess save your number one, but give us your two uh, okay. most anticipated.
0: So we talked about these a little before, so we didn't cross over. Um, so I, I just want to say, uh, the, both of yours are definitely high on my list as well. I, I love Shade Black and and Deadpool should be uh, should be fun. So uh, I, I totally second those. I'm going to go a little bit different. I kind of wanted to, I didn't want to pick a few of these because I knew you guys would pick them. So try to pick things off the beaten path a little bit. Uh, my number, uh, my number three. Is, uh, and I also was like, I'm going to pick original, I'm going to look up and uh, pick original movies, new properties that are exciting me in 2018. And then I wrote down the three movies, and they're all either uh, remakes or sequels. So, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> three remake original remakes and sequels coming your way. Uh, my number three is uh, Mission Impossible 6, because you guys know I ride for Cruise, and I... Yeah just I um, I like the series even though they're they're kind of are on autopilot at this point I enjoy them uh and I think it's one of the best series going outside of like the the MCU or Star Wars and uh yeah so yeah my my number 3 is is MI6 uh my number 2 is uh there's a lot of history here it's something it's a character I've known literally my whole life I can't Remember a time I didn't know. Uh, and and so it's just – and I'm just kind of interested production-wise on how they're going to pull this off and how it's going to work and the scale of it and the scope of it and the whatever. Uh, my number two is Mary Poppins Returns.
1: Yeah. Good this day, is, mate. Uh, in terms of what you said about uh, Mission Impossible, still untitled. It's just MI6 at this point, <laughs> so we don't – Which
0: is the British – you know, uh, CIA basically. So yeah, that's true. That can be cool. Title. So they could just, just MI6. do that. Yeah. MI six, MI six or something. Like yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Mary Poppins returns. I am very nervous about this one. Oh, me too. Very. It's nervous. just
0: anticipated.
1: Oh, you know, yeah. I'm not like, yeah. Just curiosity. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not like I'm, I'm, ex- I, this isn't the most excited list. I'm just, I'm curious how they're going to pull this off more. Okay, than cool.
1: Yeah, I am too. I really am. And a lot of good people involved, <laughs> And um, definitely a property that you wouldn't think people would want to revisit. You know, it's hard. It's a hard sell for today's youth to be like, let's sit down and watch Mary Poppins, kids. It's not animated. You know, it's just <laughs> a very think Times have changed in terms of kids entertainment. So
0: it's it's animated with sidewalk chalk. So get over it. Sit down, oh. eat your vegetables. <laughs> right. Kid. That's what I
1: would say. I think it's going to be a cool reimagining it's or definitely it the could cast be, is cool. I mean, or it could be, um, all is great and powerful. I mean, it could just be a reason for them to bring back something just because that's familiarity and they, I don't know. The
0: cast makes me excited. The director makes me very nervous because it's Rob Marshall, isn't it? Mm, Yeah, I think so. He has Chicago fame, but it's also Emily Blunt and and Lin-Manuel Miranda and some cool people. So it's like, I, I, I'm 50, 50 on it. Nothing would surprise me, but uh, I'm I'm excited to find out. It's Mary Poppins, man. There's a
1: weird twist and like Mary Poppins is like a ninja or something. Now we're talking. Okay.
0: (laughs) Not seeing a downside. Okay. I hope when Mel Miranda has a terrible, fake, cocky (laughs) accent like uh, Dick Van Dyke did.
1: I hope he doesn't. Oh. oh. But Uh, Dick Van Dyke's supposed to be in the movie. So we'll see a cameo, maybe a Chim chiminy dance or something from him. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's a good one. Good list, Richard. Give us your two, Brian. Save your number one. Okay. I want to preface this by saying
2: number. definitely on this list would probably be creed 2 but i'm not totally convinced that it's gonna come out this year since i don't think mm-hmm. literally anything has happened yet and so i'm gonna i'm pushing it i think that's gonna get i i would guess that it gets pushed to 2019 so also if it no, comes out it's no, a-
1: um no kugler in that one too No kugler so, that but, one yeah. i almost had that one too but i was like i don't I it's got stolen script which will be solid but man he added so much flair to creed this is directing yeah, i agree. so
2: I agree. Um, so my my two that I'm going to mention here are uh, are the Solo Han Solo movie origin story, whatever it may be. At this point, I'm almost as interested from a is this going to be a train wreck standpoint as anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's new Star Wars. I'm always excited for new Star Wars. I still really really like the cast and the and the current director and the ways in which I think this movie could go. And uh, but again. There's a there's a certain train wreck element to it of just like what what happens if mm-hmm. if this is terrible, um, which would be interesting. And you mentioned Ryan Coogler, Black Panther looks so freaking good. Yeah, I mean, every time I see that trailer, I am I just walk away com- just totally pumped up. I don't know why it's coming out in February, but I'm super excited uh, that we only have to wait like five more weeks for it instead of three or four Kellen,
0: months. Or something. Kellen Lutz oh. must be in it because he's the king of February <laughs> action cinema. Yes,
2: it's actually Chadwick Boseman as Kellen Luntz as oh, Black Panther.
0: Marshmallows.
2: It's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty great. Yes, that trailer is one, that's one of the best like superhero trailers I've ever seen. It looks incredible. I'm I'm so pumped to see my boy Michael B. Jordan in a villainous role. I I can't I cannot wait for that movie. So those that, are my those that, are my two.
1: That is um. It might be more anticipated for me than Infinity War. I just think Infinity War is... Yeah, it certainly is for me. There's no way... Infinity War looks
2: great, too. I'll be honest. I I really... I dig Infinity War. I dig the Infinity War trailer quite a bit, um, especially with Cap coming back and the way that they're Mm -hmm. playing. that. I think that's going to be really cool. But Black
1: Panther looks like on another level to me. Yeah. To me, Infinity War, it's just... It's... What? what, Ten years in the making? So... Mm -hmm. It, for me, that's just almost impossible to for it to to be what you picture it in your mind to be. It's just the expectation is going to be so huge for that movie. Uh, for, for so that for me, Black Panther is more anticipated than that than that this year in terms of Marvel. Um, I'm just excited for where, where the direction they can go post Avengers: Infinity War, and uh, that's the first look at it, and I'm excited. Um, so, number ones most anticipated for us this year. We'll give Richard Barden the honors. Number one.
0: Yeah, mine's a little out there, but I'm so curious about this. And I love the original. Well, not the original. I love the 70s version of it. And uh, I'm super interested in A Star is Born. Bradley Cooper. uh, Bradley Cooper directing Lady Gaga. Dave Chappelle. um, I don't know. Just a really interesting cast. Andrew Dice Clay, I think, is randomly in it, too. Uh, It just seems... I don't know, it's one of those things that's either going to like come out the three theaters and be awful or will like sweep awards season with I think little in between. So, uh right. I'm I'm really interested in it.
1: People will be like, "Wow, this Lady Gaga is for real. She's not she's not uh messing around with this talent. Like she's got she's got it all. Uh I think she is enormously talented and this is hopefully an indication. Um only question mark I have Richard is Bradley Cooper in the director's chair uh for this. So that's, I don't know what to expect there, but I have high expectations in terms of the storytelling and the the music aspect and all that. I think it'll be, it'll be spot on for that. Um, So that's what I'm anticipating for it. But yeah, you're right. It could uh, could be a small thing or it could be a huge, huge hit. Who knows?
0: And he's got, he has some, there's all the producers are directors. So I don't know what that means. Um, Oh, cool. Todd Phillips randomly produced it as did Clint Eastwood. So wasn't
1: it supposed to be, Beyonce and Clint Eastwood were supposed to do this at some point, yeah, or something. I'm sure that's why
0: Eastwood's name's on it. it's probably just attached to it somehow. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, I know Bradley Cooper like redid the script a bunch too. I don't know. I have no. I, again, I'm trying yeah. to just think. What am I most interested in
1: narratively oh, of the year? I feel like I, they've I'm been talking the about that. I feel like I've been hearing about that for three years for the stars born with Lady Gaga. I don't know if they've been talking about it or if they've actually been trying to make it for that long. But I feel like we've been talking about that forever. <laughs> just the fact that that's coming. It's finally what coming late this year, fall. So yeah, I think it's May. Oh, it is. Uh, It's it's October. Is it October? October. So yeah, wow. That's a long. That's a long wait. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. Definitely am am interested to see what they do there. Uh, I will go now. My most anticipated, um, comes from my favorite director right now, Damien Chazelle, of Mm. Whiplash slash Law Land Fame. And he is teaming up again with Gosling and telling his interpretation of Neil Armstrong or a part of Neil Armstrong's life. And the movie is called First Man and always excited to see the Gaz. And like mm-hmm. I said, I think Chazelle is the most interesting young director uh, going right now. And um, how is he going to follow up La La Land? Who knows? This is uh, very in- anticipated for me for a lot of reasons. And my number one of the year. You guys excited about it?
2: Can't wait. You could to tell me like if you were like, "Damien," I I didn't know the movie is coming out. I'd be like, Damien Chazelle, yeah, mm-hmm, yes, uh huh," is uh teaming up with Ryan Gosling. I'd just be like, "Tell me more." I'm just, I can't, right. I can't wait. Can't it's like, wait. And then, what if I told you that, that story, he's doing, uh,
1: awesome. he's doing a story set in, you know, early days of NASA? You're like, yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Well, just yeah, imagining the sets and the whole period piece aspect of it is going to mm-hmm. be really cool. I'm ex- really excited to see Chazelle's yeah. next piece of work. He has not let us down yet. Mm-hmm. And um, To be
2: fair, yeah. I think he could be like, my next eight projects are going to be with Ryan Gosling, and all I'm going <laughs> to do is remake
1: the movies of Uwe Boll, and I'd be like, okay, let's do it. That right. sounds
2: awesome. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm excited to hear what your number one is, though, Brian. Can I yes, guess
2: it? so go for it. Go mm, for okay. it.
1: Okay. Is it... <laughs> Let's play. Is it a blockbuster?
2: It is. Hmm. I'm representing blockbusters tonight.
1: That's the card I drew. Is it a Disney property? Uh,
2: I don't Is it? Maybe? Sure.
1: Okay, that's a good indicator. Possibly. Hmm. Possibly. Oh. I'm going to give up. I'm going to waste too much time. <laughs> I was trying to think of an X-Men property this year, but I Is it the bla- Is it the uh the uh, the Dark Phoenix? No, that does look. That does.
2: That that's exciting to me. But X Men movies are so hit or miss. You never know. You never know. Okay, hey, what, you, what you got? No number. Number one for me is is a is the adaptation of my favorite book of all time, which is an unpopular thing to say anymore. Apparently, I don't care. I love Ready Player One. I'm Ooh. so stoked to uh, to have Spielberg do that and bring it to the screen. It's uh, the second trailer that we saw before uh, Star Wars. Or at least I did. The second time I saw is is so good, and and, and to me, really fits the spirit of the book and what uh, what it's going for. I, I can't wait. I'm 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 at the point where I feel like that book may be very difficult to bring to screen, and I'm not expecting like the greatest work of Steven Spielberg's career, which mm-hmm. would be very stupid to expect. But I'm just excited to see it uh, put to screen and and uh, and what Spielberg can do with it. And and uh, I, I just I, I'm very I'm very excited for this for sure. I was gonna
1: say I didn't think you were that big of a fan of Fantastic Beast Two, which is <laughs> no, uh no, not looking at so much. <laughs> Good grief. All right. Uh, we're gonna take a break and we're gonna talk the shape of water. A fresh new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business this year, it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. Hi guys, Kent Garrison here on behalf of ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding qualified candidates. How it works is ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. And then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates, invites them to apply. In fact, it's no wonder that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate in just one day. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidate finding you. It finds them. It couldn't be easier with ZipRecruiter. They've been great supporters of the Mad About Movies podcast for years. That's why they are offering them, listeners, the ability to post their jobs for free. That's right, for free at ZipRecruiter.com. So head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. You're looking for a job. You're looking for qualified candidates. Head on over there. ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. ZipRecruiter.com, the smartest way to hire. All right, so we are here to talk Shape of Water with our friend Alex. We're welcoming Alex to the show for the first time. Long-time listener, first-time caller. And (laughs) he is somebody who has a lot of thoughts on movies because he writes movie reviews of his own. And so we're welcoming Alex to the show. Hey, Alex, what's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, We're excited to have you. Uh, First question, right off the bat. Have to get it out of the way. (laughs) Now you see me. Have you seen it?
4: I have, I have. I can't see my life is the better for it. Okay,
1: good, um, good, good, answer. It,
4: you know, know. It, it's actually here. Here's the thing with NICEB. The, the thing that's horrible with it is that compared to some other, it exists theater, exactly. Okay, of know. course, of course. But, <laughs> but number two, real quick, for, for me personally with NICEB, it's it's horrible because uh, it's one of those theater going experiences for me from a lot from you know this decade where it, it's. First, the memory is always going to be there because of the context. Like it was one of those things where I was out of town on a trip and I uh, had, had kind of watched it on a whim. It was like I think I was I was in Phoenix at the time actually for like a Fleetwood Mac concert. So we were there like the day before we were, me and my friend were just walking around town just finding stuff to do. And we go, you know, watch this movie. And you know, I had this movie, you know, Sixth Sense. That I was like, okay, I, I don't think this could be super good, but we checked it out anyway. And um, so, just because of the context and like where I was, like mm-hmm. who I was with, mm-hmm. that, that memory will always be there, which is, you know, just horrible. But you know,
0: the thing I hate about now you see me is like, like let's take, let's take. I, I, I here we go. Perfect comp. This will enrage Kent. Um. <laughs> Which is what I so go we're for. always going. For and it. first off, don't think don't think you buried that lead on me that you were in Phoenix for a Fleetwood Mac concert. We're gonna fu- we're gonna circle back to that, because yeah. <laughs> okay. um, Adrian might have some competition for most interesting man in the world. But uh, <laughs> so, but I've seen now you see me. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. 14 times probably I've seen, <laughs> I've seen La La Land twice. <laughs> like that's the yeah. thing I hate about now you see me. I'm yeah. I. it's always on and I always find myself watching it. How like do. begrudgingly. Yeah. you. I still, need,
4: I still need to get around and watch the second one. Cause of course, dual Woody Harrelson.
0: Have,
1: have, have so much that. man. And yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. And of course, uh, it's well, luckily it, it just hit Netflix. And we definitely yeah, yeah, know that thanks HBO to our now. Twitter, or, yeah, our Netflix. Twitter oh, feed, uh, blew up whenever, now You See Me 2 hit Netflix, but um, that's, always what, that's always what we want to live for is just <laughs> endless Now You See Me references. Uh, that is funny, but Richard, you nailed it when you said right when we walked out of that movie, you said, uh, at least that one's going to be fun to do on the podcast, and I said, I never <laughs> want to see that movie again. And you go, no, that one's going to be really fun to watch 15 times on TNT. <laughs> Fast forward two years, it's the only thing TNT ever plays is those two movies <laughs> well, on a Josh road tank. Tank. Exactly. Back to back. It's All a good double talking. feature. Right?
4: Yeah. What is dichotomy. What
0: is
1: economy? They know they know drama. And nothing yeah, for drama sure. like state so so Alex. Alex,
0: <laughs> Alex, what uh, wh- wh- where are you, where are you based out of?
4: I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico.
0: Okay, Albuquerque, so you because. went from Albuquerque to Phoenix for you big Fleetwood oh. Mac fan?
4: yeah oh absolutely okay. i uh no i i, I am I, I grew up listening to them thanks to my dad and uh i uh that was actually that was um he took who's taking me my friend there uh that was kind of my high school graduation present right about that time it was may uh may 23rd may 2013 yeah so cool. it took me took me a to bud there to phoenix and then uh so i had like two consecutive days though the worst theater going experience and one of the best concerts <laughs> of my life well,
0: that's awesome <laughs> uh cool. so, you know phoenix a lot of people may not know <laughs> Birthplace of Mad About Movies zone Richard Barton. There's a little mm. trivia for you guys. Well, there we
2: go. Yeah. Uh, and when you the, drive through, you can see the sign. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. put it there, but uh, you know, it'll it'll be official. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have Fleetwood Mac right up here on my wall next to my um '86 Bears poster and my Larry Bird poster. That's that's a little nice. inside joke for Kent. Um, <laughs> yeah. He didn't even catch it, man. That's a Bill I, Simmons you know, joke. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing
1: says sports like Fleetwood Mac but uh
0: no that's cool man that's awesome yeah, sure. yeah.
1: well thanks it's for awesome. being on man and I'm I'm excited to hear your thoughts on on The Shape of Water because it's always yeah. it's always an interesting conversation when Guillermo del Toro is involved whether it's uh for the good reasons or the bad reasons I think like everybody has a strong <laughs> opinion on him he's a mm-hmm. love it or hate it kind of a director I feel like uh he certainly yeah. has his own aesthetic he's an auteur guy he writes and conceives of his own stories and characters and um i'm a huge fan of that i think that everything he's done i've liked to varying degrees of success i don't think he's put out necessarily a quote-unquote bad movie um in terms of Mm -hmm. uh it you know i certainly liked some more than others crimson peak is not what this is and Pacific Rim is not what Hellboy is and Pan's Labyrinth is a whole nother thing so i mean he's done a lot of different things in my opinion in terms of uh what he's bringing us uh whether it's blockbusters or intellectual type movies uh he he kind of crosses mm-hmm. that line perfectly so i love talking about him but this movie it really it, i mean the conversation has been huge for this movie and i just recently saw this mm-hmm. within the past few days it's been out for a while And I'm just shocked at how much people are are enjoying talking about this movie, and and it seems like the conversation has never been so big for a Del Toro movie, and this is a guy that is a comic book movie maker, you know? So that's really cool to see that his most kind of intellectual movie is the one people are talking about the most, and it'll get the most acclaim and the most, probably the most recognition (laughs) for, rather than the ones that make probably more money. So at the end of the day… I'm really excited that Guillermo del Toro is uh, doing what he's doing, and I was a huge fan of this. And I, I, it was probably most thoroughly entertained from beginning to end with this movie this year. This just had so much to offer, whether it was the production design or the score or the, you know, the script is great, and the, the, um, the effects are great, and the performances are great, and the direction is great. And I, I have the least probably to complain about with this movie than most. Um, I still have some issues with it, of course. Um, mm. and some things I would change, but I think for the most part, this was, this was top notch and there's just so much to talk about here with so so much going on with the care, the, um, the satire and things that they're trying to, to say with this movie he has so much to say. And I'm excited to talk about that with you guys. Um, a lot more in spoilers, of course, but, uh, Wow. I, this was a this was a artistic experience for me to see this, and I'm I'm really excited mm-hmm. about it. So, what did you think, uh, Alex, about this? So, yeah, just
4: for first impression, So, real quick. So, Del Toro for me definitely has a bit of a special place in my heart. Uh, you know, when I, when I when I watch movies, two of the things I I. I can I uh, acknowledge that I kind of value the most your originality in r- the writing, mm-hmm. and I think you know, well, Del Toro, you know, aside from Peter Jackson, I'd say he's probably done more than anyone else in like contemporary fantasy cinema, and and his movies are absolutely nothing if not original. Like you said, Ken, I mean, his I mean, he definitely has an aesthetic and a vibe where you know mm-hmm. you're watching a, a Del Toro movie, mm-hmm. um, and so going into this, you know, Pan's Labyrinth was my favorite was my favorite one, and that kind of encompasses all that that I love about it. Um, so going into this one, you know, I I remember watching the first trailer and obviously knowing that this movie was coming up, and I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm hooked, I'm sold. I don't need to watch anything else. I'm ready for this. And then I I was kind of avoiding everything else, but eventually I, I uh, got a second trailer in the theater, so I can escape that um thought it gave a little bit away a little bit away but certainly didn't diminish my excitement um so just overall thoughts on it it definitely met my expectations i was super satisfied by it, kind of hidden on everything you said um the acting i think for sure is an absolute highlight of the movie just across the board i think we can we'll definitely go into in depth later with Hawkins' performance i'm sure um but i i think for sure this is kind of just my bare bones thoughts on it it's this movie is kind of a showcase of del Toro. I think it is technical powers. You know, I think when you look at his early stuff, maybe right up to to Hellboy and for sure right up to Pacific Rim, I think his movies have that kind of, you know, they're definitely from del Toro's mind. They're original, they're fantastical. Uh, they have these eccentric premises, but they still have this kind of a vibe cinematically that's a little bit rustic. And I don't even mean that in a bad mm-hmm. way, but mm-hmm. just kind of showing that alter sense for sure. But this is like kind of, it's kind of like you took this straight out of, del Toro's mind like it's still unquestionably his story and his premise and you kind of just like clean it up a little and i think the cinematography is incredible and it's just definitely his most cinematic movie for me um i think this shows that he can still create incredible movies without like putting us directly into like a fantasy world like something outlandish like cowboy or pacific grim you know um i think there's certain like just a couple elements you can take out of this and you could almost say this is like something that actually happened <laughs> aside from the obvious part of the premise. Um, so overall, I was just wrapped this up the initial class super satisfied uh, acting across the board. I think Sally Hawkins' performance is finally going to get her the recognition that somehow she seems like she's hasn't gotten yet up to this point.
1: And uh, I loved it. Absolutely. Go ahead, Brian.
2: Yeah, I, I have a weird Guillermo de Toro is one that I love Pan's Labyrinth. I think it's a masterpiece and one of the few foreign language films that. Um, be, because I'm, you know, a stupid swine, I, I don't watch very many foreign language films. I, I don't have the attention span mm-hmm. uh, to read myself through a movie, and I, so I very rarely will do it. Pan's Labyrinth is is fantastic, and I know that wasn't my introduction to Del Toro. Has I'd seen Hellboy and. I'm sure I in Blade 2 and probably Mimic and such. Uh, but that was the first time that I like I really I guess I that I really knew I was watching a Del Toro movie um, and was, you know, anticipating that. And uh, and it's it's fantastic. Um, All of his other films have missed the mark for me somewhere. And I. I don't want <laughs> every time I go in there there are some like I don't know Zack Snyder movies I don't I I'm at the point where I'm just like I'm never going to get this this is never going to be something that I that I like or or want to like not to say that he couldn't make a movie that I'd be like oh yeah that was pretty solid I'm just never going to be the audience for his movies um and I'm and I'm okay with that I really want to love Del Toro and 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 his work because I find him fascinating I think he's a great uh you, you mentioned Alex just some of like his process and whatnot. Like I think he's a great voice within yeah. uh the directing, the filmmaking world. And I have a great respect for the passion that he puts into every movie that's, that's undoubtedly, I mean, you can see that in every frame of this movie and, and pretty much any movie that he's ever made. It's, it's a labor of love. And he, he's very creative. I, I, I I want to, I want to love his movies. And I just, every single time I come out feeling a little bit colder than it seems like everybody else. And I, and it just, it, it frustrates me. It's, it's disappointing to me. I, you know, pack rim i know you love it kent our friend ariel mm-hmm. that's like his favorite movie oh yeah um,
1: dude i it's so weird because i felt like i was such a, on such an island with loving pack rim like because it came and went and no one ever really talked about it again i was like that was awesome guys what is what are y'all talking about and but i've met more people maybe in the last yes. year like mm-hmm. well the last one year that have said pack rims my favorite movie of all time i'm just like <laughs> yeah. what it's, it's everyone's just a, like, it's got a weird cold following. Cold following yeah, yeah.
2: And, it, and it's great. And, and, and I, you know, I saw that and I was like, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. And then Godzilla came out and I was like, I like Godzilla way, way more than that. And I don't have room for both of them. And mm. that's just kind of how it went. I don't know. They cross over. <laughs> I, I super want to like the Hellboy movies and I, but I don't, I just don't, I don't really, they're fine, but they don't really do it for me. Blade two sucks. Crimson peak. Didn't wear all of these movies. They never quite hit the mark for me. And I, 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 I really, really thought. I thought going in, this was going to be the one. I it looks, it looks better than anything else he's ever filmed. I, I don't think to me that's not. It's not even close. Um, I loved the score. I thought Sally Hawkins was fantastic. I love all the support. Michael Stuhlbarg is one of my favorite supporting actors, and Richard Jenkins is as well. Octavia Spencer was was great. I always mm-hmm. love Michael Shannon. Um, I thought. I, I really thought this was, this was it. And then it, it kind of got down to the, you know, the crux of the movie. And I just was like, this isn't, this is, something's off for me. This doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work the way it doesn't work for me the way that I want it to work. And it doesn't work for me the way that it seems like it's working for, for everybody else. And, and I, I don't know, I didn't, that's a rare experience. It's, It's for me, at least it's rare to get to the final, Whatever to the third act and and for me to be surprised that I'm not into it or surprised that I am into it, it's usually like I'm here, I'm loving this, or there's bumps and and you know uh bumps along the way, but you know i'm I'm here for the ride this one i I really thought i'm I'm here, I like this, this is good, and then it got to that third act, and I just was like i there's something wrong here for me, it's just not hitting, and i'm I'm bummed about that and it and it frustrates me, but I don't know. I don't know. It may just be at the point where I just have to say Del Toro movies while beautiful and while I appreciate him, they're just, I'm not the right, they're just not right for me. They just don't sure. fit what I'm, what I'm going for. But, uh, but that's me. Um, Richard, what are, uh, what are your, uh, initial thoughts and, and feelings well, well, and all that gets, we
0: have, we have two camps here. I saw this a while back. I it got to me, uh, I saw this probably about a month ago. I don't know, three weeks ago oh, wow. I, can't, I saw it, yeah, so I've had some time the noodle on this. is the only reason I bring that up. it hit it was in my uh, kind of local theater early and and uh and Sarah is a huge um, pan's labyrinth fan, and so we we uh we uh we went and knocked this out and you know, I have to say, you know we've got two camps here, and i'm I'm really interested in both these i I have to side... I have to side with uh with with Brian a bit. I think this is technically I I really enjoyed the aesthetic of it and I I, I love Pants Labyrinth and I liked Pacific Rim and I liked Del Toro. I I one of my favorite books ever is Slaughterhouse 5 and and Del Toro has the rights to it. And has for for seven or eight years and I'm dying for him to actually make it. I think he's actually the right person to make Slaughterhouse 5 into a movie and I I think to, totally and and uh and so I really I love the performances here. Like, like Brian, I'm not, I, the only thing I differ with you, I'm not a big Michael Shannon fan. Um, I mean, I love him in man of steel, but other than that, no, um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I, I, he kind of, uh, he, I don't know. He's fine to me. I think obviously very talented. Just, you know, these things are subjective and he just doesn't really do it for me. Uh, but I love the rest of the cast and, and, uh, in, in Jenkins and Hawkins and, and Stuttgart and, and, and I got it in a way it was beautiful. And I, I, you know, obviously, and I, I was moved by it at certain times. And as you guys know, I don't like to be moved. So that was part of it. Um, but I just kind of found a lot of the kind of allegorical stuff and some of the writing to be a little bit obvious and a little bit heavy handed and a little bit, um, and part of that's on purpose, but to me, I just thought it was a little bit, um, almost, uh, slapped on too thick you know like uh you know sure. peanut butter is good on a sandwich but if you put all if the whole thing is two inches deep of peanut butter it's kind of gross to eat and to me i had a little bit of that going for it love the flavor of it it was just kind of too much and so so the world's grossest analogy so um it was it was uh <laughs> that's kind of that that's what i felt about i uh, i am kind of baffled at the the uh, awards praise for it. Aside from some performance things, the, the the if this is the best picture of the year, that's really surprising to me. I don't have anything that doesn't anger yeah. me or anything. I can be wrong. I might be wrong. Uh, but I was. I'm just kind of like, uh, really, wow. It's it's affecting people that much, and that's cool. But mm-hmm. just just not not me so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think this movie might have more to say than any movie this year. Like this is this is more of social commentary than I've seen in a movie this year so far uh, aside from ones we haven't talked about get yet. out uh, get yeah, out is maybe. a big get out is a big one too um this i think is a more approachable get out it this movie is about acceptance this movie is about love it's about communication between people of different backgrounds ethnicities it, yeah it's <laughs> about uh, you know the power struggle of you know, men of authority and people, service workers and things like that. I mean, there's this there's definitely a lot of that they're trying to say with this. So for me, this this movie wins me over on that stuff more than it does for the aesthetic and for Mm -hmm. how it was shot. That's all great. That's all A plus in my opinion. But for me, where I think this movie wins is the message, is the plot, is the the performances and the genuine uh Like you said, the movement you feel in the theater watching this, uh, there are several moments that are just that are very heartwarming. There are several moments that are sad. There's there's it's poetic at times. Uh, There's a lot that um, a lot of feeling in the theater, and some people just like Get Out. They don't like to feel things. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people went and saw Get Out. Like, yeah, that movie may creep me out. And like, I did, that means I didn't like it. Well, it creeped me out because it made you feel something in your gut, you know, like that Mm. to me, that means that you should look at it in that way, that if it affected you, then maybe you you liked it. You just don't know it, you know? So, um, for me, it, it hit on the mark of the emotion and I can see why, why you, the opinion would be of that. It's heavy handed. It is in your face. But for me, that stuff worked and it worked really well. I think the stroke, there's several strokes of genius. That you know there are reveals about the characters later on in the movie and in the third act that really bring the yeah. story together in a in a great way. I think this is a really well structured movie in terms of people finding out things when they need to and to help move the plot along and um yeah it's it's sometimes convenient uh when we get into spoilers and we'll talk about that. some of my complaints have are in regards to the convenience of the plot and and the logistics and all that uh but I think it it it's Guillermo del Toro's, you know, I, I don't want to say passion project because, uh, certainly Pacific Rim, I feel like is his passion project with the robots fighting giant monsters. I think mean, that'll always be the what he, uh, always wanted to do. But this, he's talked about it as his love of monster movies. This is his most, it's a kind of an ode to old, you know, universal monster movies. He was inspired by The Creature from the Black Lagoon. There are certainly, uh, not references, but it's definitely an homage to that when it comes to the creature design and the relationship between the creature and the the woman and, their, and, and all of that. But the real key to this is, does it work? The relationship between Sally Hawkins and the actual creature has to be believable. It has to be something <laughs> that you actually think could happen. And like you said, Alex, I, maybe you can elaborate on. That this movie kind of feels like something that could actually ha- have happened in some way uh, in some mm-hmm. kind of secret government lab. You know, that's a, the <laughs> premise of the movie. But maybe that kind of is why people are talking about it so much, because it does have that realistic quality to it.
4: For sure. Yeah. And just to piggyback a little bit on a couple of points you made there. I think mm-hmm. I mean, I think Del Toro has, unless this was just some some portion of film Twitter, just paraphrasing it or something. I think he has explicitly come out and said this is his this is like his favorite movie that he's done. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure he can maybe say that for, you know, his most recent thing it might be a recently biased thing, but I know he said think it's his
1: best was, movie. I think he said okay, he thinks okay. it's his best, um, for sure, but yeah, yeah, sorry to not to contradict you, but yeah,
4: no, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's important to, to make note of that. Um, I definitely think you do have a great point in that this, this movie definitely is arriving at like the perfect time, you know, not to get, mm. not Forget you know too political or anything, but I think it's easy to see, and and I can definitely I definitely do not dis- disagree with uh, with Richard at all that this movie is for sure like if anything it's, it it does it, it's not shy about its messages and its allegory and its symbolism you know you can kind of see it everywhere like and from like you know the color grading to to the just the relationship itself between. The merman and uh, and Eliza Sally Hawkins's character, and you know, and I think some of that for sure plays into all this awards discussion that's has Because I definitely agree that I, I've, I've been a little surprised by how much acclaim it's getting by by uh, notoriety. I almost feel like all that awards buzz, uh, you know, surrounding this movie now that the, now that we're in a award season has almost made some people who's maybe just a casual movie goer go, oh, Del Toro, like who's who's this guy? Maybe maybe never heard of him, Even if maybe they've seen something like
1: cowboyed or something more mainstream the past um uh yeah sorry <laughs> yeah no absolutely brian anything to chime in there yeah no
2: i mean i i get why it's i don't know i get why it's awardsy and i get why it's it's doing pretty well i i like i said there's a lot that i really liked about the movie i <laughs> this is weird to me and i, I don't know i the uh I think the creature doesn't look so awesome and that that's like Guillermo del Toro's like bread and butter is creature design and I think this plays into why I'm I'm always I feel like I'm I'm strangely in the opposition party on him for some reason is like I I always feel like his creature design is like 80% awesome and the other 20% like that looks kind of dumb. I don't know. I that it was not great for me. And I thought the pacing to get to the, the really the third act was, uh, was a little, it was a little bit rushed to me. And I, I, I think you're right. Ken, I think you, I think you have to be able to really, I think to really appreciate the movie as a whole for what it is. I think you have to buy, uh, into the relationship between the creature and and Sally Hawkins, and I I wasn't there. I didn't I didn't necessarily think I wasn't there up until it got to that point, and I was like, no, this is weird. I'm I'm not here for it. This is just mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's like just a little bit beyond what I'm I can get to, and I don't mean like the uh, I don't know the the sexual stuff so much as just like. I thought we were I expected and 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 I think we I think I was right to expect personally that we were gonna get some real build up to the breakout and uh, you know and what was to come after that and 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 instead we really get two maybe two and a half scenes of uh of Sally Hawkins' character in the lab with the uh with with the monster or the creature and that that developed very Quite poorly in to terms of uh, oh, was
1: very rushed and, yeah. and
2: and, and mm-hmm. quick very very forced to like get to a much longer third act than i than I expected and and that personally that I feel like was was appropriate for mm-hmm. the movie itself i I enjoyed sure. the movie much more in the first two acts than I did in the third, and I didn't. Sure. The third act, once it got to that point, it felt like we are spending a really long time in this section, and it would have been better served with more time in the second the second part. The whole – can we just say where it's spoilers at this point? Sure. Um, spoilers, sorry, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers.
3: Spoilers. Spoilers.
2: Spoilers. <laughs> the, the whole Michael Stuberg with the, the Russian agent B story, I love him. I like the character. I thought that was an unnecessary distraction from what else was taking place on – the whole through the movie and that I would have preferred let's take that time instead and yeah. actually develop this sort of relationship between creature and, and woman to where it doesn't feel like we're very quickly moving from, um, they meet each other to she is having sex with the weird yeah. creature from Brazil. You know what I mean? yeah. it's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a mm-hmm. big jump. I, I agree. Yeah. I,
1: I wish there were, there would have been, more time between when she breaks the thing out and when she brings it home. Because there there feels like it's that her breaking it out should have been more climactic than her housing it in her house for however long yeah. she has to house it in her house, right? Uh, and to me, I think the Russian plot line is kind of what I was, one of the things I was talking about earlier that really comes together in the end because. While the thing's at her house and she has to wait for the tide to come up or whatever it is, there has to be some mm-hmm. something to distract the actual yes. government yes. from finding her for them not to yeah. say, let's just go to that mute's house and see if it's there, you know, where she is, or, and yeah. for them not to have a suspect. So, all the while, they're distracted by that whole Russian and Michael Stuhlbarg situation, and that buys her the time needed to do that whole thing. So, I thought that was a really clever way for it to come together. And, um, Another plot line was the Richard Jenkins' uh, art career thing. I was like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, that was the one that wasn't working for me for a yes, while. Until, yeah.
2: and I love him.
1: I love him. Yeah. But that was, I agree with that you. That wasn't yeah. working for me until they have him, like, painting the logo on the, the truck. So it was like, okay, that's why he was an artist, to set that up. So I, under- I got understood why they were, what they were planting the seeds for. Like, at least it has a little bit of payoff. Like, they needed his skill in order to get this thing done. Right. Uh, so mm-hmm. I kind of understood that. So to me, that's kind of clever the way it all came out. It's uh, for me, the, the beginning of the movie, the, the middle of the movie is more romance, uh, you know, an old school romance. Uh, the, you know, the second act into the end is more, there's more caper elements to it. I, I enjoyed the, the scenes where they're trying to, to, to break out and they're moving the security cameras and doing that whole thing. I really liked that aspect of it. I thought that was a really well done sequence. And, um, for me, what didn't work was the sexual stuff. Like, I think you oh, could yeah. have accomplished everything in this movie that you need to, in terms of her loving this creature and them having this <clears throat> special bond without like them literally doing it. I don't think, I don't know what that accomplishes. Sure. Like, well, they got it on. And then they have that scene with her and Octavia Spencer laughing about Uh, how did it happen and all that I I mean it was a funny moment I guess but
3: Mm -hmm. I think
1: if you don't have that at all in this movie and it's just they have this actual genuine they're in love I think that you accomplish everything you need to with a reason for her to be attached to this thing and risk it all for for the love of this creature and it has this whole animal rights thing too and in terms of you know imprisoned people being treated the way they shouldn't be treated or not getting a chance or being stereotyped and uh, that's kind of Michael Shannon just beating the ever-living tar out of it and mm-hmm. not even, you know, like the thing will be nice if you're just nice to it, right? That's the whole thing. And um, it, I bought the relationship between the two. And I thought there were some clever narrative pieces like the with the eggs and with the record player and things like that that bonded mm-hmm. the two together in a very natural way. And um, sure. so that that gets a pass for me. Uh, yeah that that
2: stuff was good I'm with you there uh and even Mm -hmm. the first like (sighs) sequence it sort of works and then you you get the jokes about it stuff like that the whole to me the whole I'm gonna flood this bathroom scene Mm -hmm. uh, uh, was that's like kind of to me that was the definition of like art over substance like that doesn't Mm -hmm. that has no practicality it's, it's 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 a very stupid plot point done because it, you know, because it looks beautiful and because we can shoot this whole thing underwater and it'll look great. And and I get that. I just, I don't know that I need that, I guess. And, and to be frank, by that point, I was just, I was at the point where I was like, I kind of just want to get this over with. And then we mm-hmm. got, you know, a very elongated scene on that front.
1: Yeah. I, de- I definitely
4: do. feel. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, go ahead. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah,
4: uh, for sure. I was, I was just going to say like, I, you know, from obviously a narrative standpoint and you know, you, like I would be lying if I said I was you know, anything in this movie particularly shocked me or shocked me or went a different way than I thought it would. You know, when I mean when the elevator pitch for your movie is is uh Beauty and the Beast meets meets creature from the black lagoon or the cold war i mean i feel like you can almost hear that and say okay that's going to be del Toro, you know or no one else can do it sure um, totally yeah. so uh, you know from that from that standpoint kind of, you kind of know what you're going to get and uh so i definitely think this is a movie that's kind of made and you guys have kind of touch on this it is a little bit more the sum of its parts are a little bit greater than the whole um and uh you know and i think with some of that stuff like you were saying like the, the physical the the you know the very mature physical stuff with with eliza and and the sexual attraction she has with the creature I, i'd be lying if i said i didn't find that a little bit jarring when that happened like Kent said i think i i definitely bought into that early on i think that might be just del toro buying into his his tendencies where on, his, his movies and you know, all of them have do have a really adult vibe whether it's through like the gore the premise itself mm-hmm. uh so i think that's him uh indulging that if that makes sense and, uh, which is, which is fine. It's fine. It, it was a little bit jarring. I definitely don't think it, I definitely think it could have been, didn't need that stuff and it would have been totally fine. Uh, didn't really add anything, but it was fine. Um, but you know, yeah, the narrative is, as far as the narrative itself, you guys are like, you guys have mentioned with the Russian spy beat plots and things like that. Uh, you know, you could say that. The biggest impact those had was oh we that had was oh we introduced this guy and he plays a semi pivotal pivotal part in, in the escape sequence you know right. when he when he stabs the security guard in the back he got get right. someone to take care of that you right. could say the same thing for Richard Jenkins' character being the painter uh, and then have, having help, him help out with the painting the laundry or whatever logo was on the truck um, I do want to point out something that I I, I really liked with the Russian B plot sequence which obviously when you introduced this. A Russian spy in a top secret American lab sequence. Like you, obviously, you know how that's going to turn out for that guy, and he bites it at the hands of a very, a very, uh, revengeful-minded Michael Shannon near the end. Um, but the thing that I really liked about that, where it introduced a little bit of, where Del Toro introduced a little bit of gray, where the story could have just been really black and white, is just, you know, the his this guy's bosses, uh, the the other Russian guys, kind of takes keeping it low in that town where they are uh you know they're like okay kill this creature like it's better just kill it and let the americans have it but but this guy you know in his mind he's like really scientifically driven he's driven by curiosity more than anything else and that i kind of i did appreciate that because it didn't introduce a little bit of moral gray and a, and a plot line that could have certainly been really black and white
2: yeah i agree with you i it i don't think it was worthless by any means i totally understand why it's fire and and as much as anything it it to your point can like you you have to have some of these things going on if you're going to kind of elongate that third act um i just i i, I don't know i just I, I some more of it could have been for me if we spend a little bit more time developing why we're doing this entire thing i feel like that would have served the movie better but you know that's it i totally get where you're coming from uh alex it it did it, yeah. it, it worked on that front i just I, I would have preferred, I guess, using my time somewhere else. I guess, for sure, for sure. But certainly more so, Kent, than like the Richard <clears throat> Jenkins plot of going into the office and showing it, all that sort of stuff was.
1: It felt superfluous. We, at
2: the time. yeah, it did. It was superfluous. And even you could show that he's an art, that he's a struggling artist, and that that still would pay off, whether or not he goes into the office multiple times and all the sort of stuff that he goes through. It's 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 fine. Not none of it was bad. It just again. That's it to me. That's not a very it. It's not an economical use of the time we have with all sure. these characters to you know.
4: Eliza. I mean, everything between Eliza and the creature for me is still for sure like like the highlight of the movie. Like every, everything with them right. is still for me the best part. Yeah,
1: I found myself in my in during the movie wanting them to cut back to the creature and yeah. I, I just felt myself the most curious about of the of the the plot lines that we have working that was the one I was most interested in. Maybe it was just the design that I was, I just wanted to see inside that room. I thought that room was really well designed with the actual tank and everything in there and the government mm-hmm. lab, but that was all uh-huh. genius. I mean, that stuff with uh-huh. iconic sets, you know, I mean, uh, that stuff was great. And I love the use of teal throughout the movie and green. There's a lot of allegory there when, with, with the terms of, like you said, uh, kind of the, the color timing and, and uh, the thematic things they do with color and green and, um, uh, yellow in the movie, and mm-hmm. him getting a green car with the key lime pie. With they say that green is the color of the future. When the the Jello sure. ad, they want him to change it to color green. Uh, what did you think about the fact that Octavia? Uh, I'm getting kind of kind of Easter egg here, but I want to talk some more stuff that worked for me. But Easter egg time. Uh, what did you think about Octavia Spencer's character na- being named Zelda, and the fact that she? That, that, uh, they kind of a mute character, like the Link character in the green and all that. I've heard some theories about some references to to Zelda, the what Legend of sense? Zelda, and the, in kind of the plotting of the movie, too. But mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a funny, uh, way to go about it. I noticed some, this reminded me a lot of E.T., especially with the creature having healing powers. When, when that reveal came, I was like, okay, this is E.T. And, and, You know, E.T. and Elliot's bond together, and Elliot has to save E.T., and nobody understands the bond that they have. And uh, this very reminded me of that, just in terms of uh, the reveals and the relationship and everything. Um, So, what did you think about the healing power of the creature? I thought that was a, a good reveal, or a good thing to have, not only to kind of for Richard Jenkins to have a reason to sympathize with the character or to bond with the character when it heals him. And then it also gives him hair on his head and it accepts him for who Mm -hmm. he is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's, when he has the scene in the, uh, in the pie store with the guy where he, where, uh, he gets kicked out of the pie store, right. He has that whole thing happen to him. And then the, the creature actually accepts him. Uh, there's a big, that's a big emotional moment in the movie. And, um, so I think that works. And the scene that really worked for me was was where Sally Hawkins is telling Richard Jenkins why they that he needs her help to break this thing out, and it's like he accepts yes. me. I mean, that moment is like yeah. top scene of the year, maybe. Uh, that that was a great. It just where he's reading her sign language. You know what I'm talking about? That, mm-hmm. that um, yeah, uh, he accepts yeah. me for who I am. He sees me for <clears> me, and all that. He is me, and I just love that. I thought it was really well written and a perfect note uh, to kind of really bring in the emotion of the movie and it worked for me
4: that that like 90 or you know 90 second two minute sequence or whatever mm-hmm. that you're that you're alluding to there with Eliza and Rick, richard Jenkins' mm-hmm. character for me i mean that if, if i was to pick a highlight of the movie that would be it and i right. think that's a kind of a big success for the movie given that it's a del Toro movie and that 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 you know little sequence there doesn't really include anything like fantastical like the the merman's not in that right he, he obviously is a big part of the conversation, but he's not in the scene or whatever. But I mean, if, if I was going into this movie, you know, Lady Bird's my favorite movie of the year. I think I thought, I thought coming out of it when I saw that a couple months ago, that Saoirse Ronan is best actress. But after seeing this and after seeing that sequence in particular, I was like, oh no, I think, I think Sally right. might've just yeah, locked that, that up. For that for sure.
1: one was just, it was incredible. Yeah. And I thought Sally, Sally Hawkins, deserves a lot of credit. She apparently did a lot of research here with Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and going back oh, and, wow. and looking at how to interpret yourself without talking. And she, she deserves a lot of awesome. credit for this performance. And I thought the scenes that they had with the music and her watching the the dancing on TV and all that, I thought that was really a stroke of genius oh, yeah. to, to bring some character development and a character that doesn't say anything uh mm. so that was all good yeah,
4: yeah um, the degree of difficulty is pretty pretty amazing very difficult ahead, sorry
1: very difficult
2: i'll be honest i didn't know going in that she uh that she played a mute and it was it was it took me like one minute to get adjusted to that and i was then i was like oh wow she, I, I mean that it was one of the better performances i've i've seen in in a, in a very certainly of the year in a very long mm-hmm. time she did an incredible job with it <laughs>
1: What about the fact that Michael Shannon's character has the whole thing with the fingers being bitten off by the creature? That's his pinky and his ring finger uh, saying pinky representing the promise he has to the government to kill the creature and not let it do escape or whatever he has. And the other finger representing his family life. And he sews him back on himself. And when he realizes Mm -hmm. that that both of those things have gone Awry, he rips off the fingers in this very dramatic moment. I thought that was a cool thing when he the fingers like yeah. rotting, and they're like, "Dude, have you smelled <laughs> oh. those things?" Yeah. yeah, like that was that's such that a cool. little Del Toro thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. It. But to me, the scene with uh that I was alluding to earlier with Eliza and Richard Jenkins, it really proves that Del Toro can can make a great movie without a monster, like can have a great yes, team. Exactly, like, exactly, without a without a monster involved and that is like you said Alex that is exactly what he's known for is like yeah well Pacific Ramble right. loved it when the robot shot the monster in the face that was awesome no one ever talks about the dialogue scene between the two generals right, right? or something like that so that is a good that's a very really good point. Okay. Uh let me see anything else I have here. Uh one other thing I want to note just kind of how the movie ends is uh it starts on the note of them of her floating in water and kind of dreaming of, of floating in water. And it of course ends with them floating in water and you know, that, that she has the scars the entire movie and that, you know, apparently is what caused her to be mute, that that injury caused her to be mute. Mm -hmm. And I love the kind of poetic note that that ends up giving her life in the end, that that becomes her gills and she breathes this whole new life. Thanks to that injury and it's very poetic and it's super cheesy i understand that like wow Mm -hmm. the gills now cool you know but i thought that was a very uh it's an artistic way to do it and this movie is an art project to me this is more this is more about one guy's vision for this story than it is trying to be this big franchise you know i I really feel like i really feel like that that with this this is a this is an art experiment or art statement by Guillermo del Toro. And I think this will be the most artsy Oscar-y movie he might do. I think mean, he might get out of his system and he's like, I'm going to go make Pac-Rim movies now. I'm good. You know, <laughs> I maybe. Um, but yeah, that 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 for me really worked well with the, the gills and her becoming a part of that and all that. Um, I don't know. How, how did you guys feel that this ended for you? It's always, the endings always can make or break it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was a little underwhelmed by it. Kind of rolled my eyes, unfortunately. I, it was just a little too on the nose for me. But I, I see it's trying to make a statement. Totally get your opinion on it, but for me, mm-hmm. I couldn't get past the uh, kind of cheesiness of it. What about you, Brian?
2: Yeah, I'm with I'm with you. I, I felt like I could see that see it coming from the very beginning that that's how it's going mm-hmm. to uh, this is going to play out and. I don't know that doesn't that's not necessarily a bad thing there's ways you can do that and and i'm not saying i don't even know that it was for me was bad it just was a little bit it, to your point Rich, it was a little more roll my eyes than than i it needed to be for the movie to come together perfectly for me
4: at the end there mm-hmm. yeah I, I think for sure like i mean one of my favorite things you know one of one of my favorite uh, marks of like a good movie is like how how thought provoking it is after I leave the theater and how much I, I really think about and how much was I challenged by what I just saw you know and I mean if there if there's like one big complaint that I personally have with it is that you know okay like I I get what's happened it's certainly not it's 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 very direct obviously like we're, like we're all talking about it's really it's really on the nose of what it's saying and and you have it and it's there and you leave the theater and and you can think about some of the maybe some details about it. If anything, like I mentioned before, I kind of thought about more than anything like some of the technical stuff compared to Gamor's previous work and Hawkins' performance. And uh, you know, when you think about it, like some of my other favorite movies from this year are on an allegorical level, I've been thinking about it for days mm-hmm. and be like, man, what does that mean? What does that mean? But yeah, like this, this movie's really on 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 the nose for sure. I want to disagree with that. And it's funny, like my my bud that I went to see this with, um uh shout out to him. He he noticed this, so maybe I I just it's just and my, I'm, I just turn off my brain sometimes with some details of some movies. But after we left, he was like, "Man, I feel like I'm so dumb for noticing that." Like you know, I guess she had those three scars on on both sides of her uh, on both sides of her neck throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And obviously early on, she indicates that you know she points to that to indicates that uh, you know she's immune. And, um, and of course you find out later on, well, I didn't, but he did and pointed out to me that, that, you know, she's kind of had those quote unquote gills that she gets physically at the end later on. So it's like, she's always had that. And he's like, I didn't see that coming. I'm like, well, I didn't even think about that. So that's, but that's such a adult Toro for sure.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, just one note on Stuhlbarg, who's great in this too. Uh, he needs some, he needs more attention. Always great. Role. Yeah. He's all, man, he's always the third. There's always like one guy ahead of him that gets that gets the credit, but um and he was great so Stuhlbarg just it's just terms of the year that he's had he will be if if things go as planned, he will be in three movies this year that are nominated for best picture uh of oh, wow. the Shape of Water, the Post, and Call me by your Name he has mm. roles in all of those, and also this year. Caleb Landry Jones, who we were introduced to this year, is in three movies as well. Get Out, three billboards and The Florida Project are all nominated Dallas for Best own. Best own. And that has not happened since John C. Riley was was in the, the Hours, Chicago and Gangs of New York all in the same year that were all Best Picture nominees. So that is a
2: weird really
1: weird movie fact. That's- the so second mention love of it. the hours in two
2: it. episodes, too. <laughs> yeah. Most
1: love it's it's gotten in 15 years. No one's talked about it since 2000. No one's talked about the hours. Um, but um, yeah, Stuhlberg brought it, and I thought was was good. my MVP of the movie. Um, I, I really liked them, mm-hmm. but I thought, you really need that character to work for this movie to work, and that was perfect there. Um, mm-hmm. I I really, really enjoyed that. Okay, so that's all I got on this. Um, I guess the m- big message I got from Del Del Toro is like, "What? Who's worthy of love?" Right. That's the big message. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. is, no matter who you are, and um, that's really Except the, the message. Wade. Not Dwayne yeah, Wade. Not He's unless not you're kid. you played for the Miami Heat, uh, two thousand six, <laughs> two thousand seven season. You you you're not, uh, or you refed any of those games. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. So I'm going to grade this out. Uh, unless you guys have any closing thoughts on. On any of this, I'm gonna hit my grade or prepare. I've got here. a, I've got yeah. a couple.
4: One closing thought, actually, yeah. real quick. I just wanted to bring up. So I think, like, aside from what I mentioned, is like just the. I guess, acting highlight of the movie, just straight-up highlight of the movie. Hawkins is little, little, uh, you know, making her point about why they need to save the creature with Jenkins' character. But aside from that, one of the little del Toroisms that I really, really loved about this movie that was a little subtle that I wasn't really think, I didn't really think about until uh, a couple of days later when I was thinking about it and writing my review of it was, I, I love how Eliza uh, is never, she's never afraid of the creature. You know, from mm-hmm. early on when they're wheeling this big old... Tank into the room filled with water. More than anything, she's curious. She you know, she walks right up to it, and of course, she's startled when the you know the hand hits the pain, all that good stuff. But after that, she's never afraid. She's she's always got that sense of curiosity. And I think, and I think more than anything, that to me at least, what I took away from it, like that little subtle uh, trait of hers, kind of captured Del Toro's message with, and the message that he wanted to provide with this movie as a whole, which is, you know, when we see something new and different, uh, we shouldn't be our, our first reaction to it shouldn't be fear. It should, should be yeah. something about curiosity. And then when we really get to know something, as Rich Jenkins finds out, and then Eliza later on, it can have even the power to heal. And, you know, I think that goes on. That definitely goes along with the on the nose allegory for sure that Del Toro brings with this story. But that's one, that was one of the little subtle things that I loved about it. You know, while everyone else is kind of recoiling and reacting to it with fear, like, you know, like Shannon is and all the scientists, you never see that with Eliza. And, and I love that about it. So yeah, yeah that's it for me.
1: He, when he said that he wrote this for Sally, he said she had to be a beautiful person, but also a person that, uh, you would believe would be sitting next to you on a bus and would have all these things that could happen. And I thought she was perfectly believable in this uh, and I love that, that. that worked yeah. really well. Um, yeah, okay. Sure. I'm going to hit my grade. I'm going to give this an A solid A. Uh, it would be a plus, not for a couple of things, but, um, is It's about as good as I could have hoped this for this to be. I was prepared to be mm-hmm. let down, honestly, um but i was I was moved for sure, I was definitely moved, um so an A for me uh okay, the guest.
4: A uh, straight A for me too. Lingering a little bit on A minus. I think when I first came out of this a couple of weeks ago, I it was it was definitely knocking on the door of Pan's Labyrinth as my favorite Del Toro movie. But I think after a couple more weeks of thinking about it and talking about it with over with you guys, I think it's uh, I think I can safely put it as a solid third behind that and even Devil's Backbone. And that's certainly not as much an indictment against it as much as I just love like the originality of those other per- other two movies. Uh, again, kind of surprised this is and all really surprised that this is getting awards plus that it is other than the technical stuff and pockets performance but hey maybe that's just a recognition of del Toro's ca- career as a whole you know we like you know they like to do that so uh straight a for me
1: cool all right uh Brian go ahead yeah I feel like I feel like B
2: b to B plus is like my standard del Toro grade at this point like I guess I am <laughs> always in that that same boat i i love the story so much at times and 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 there are definitely as i mentioned there's plenty of bad. sally hawkins is so good to me sally hawkins is worth seeing the movie for she's she's incredible that's um i haven't seen the post yet and uh, there's one other that has like a big time female lead performance that i haven't seen yet but uh this, I mean, I would vote her. I would probably vote her over Frances McDormand for three billboards. And I thought she was incredible in that. Like, I, I just, mm-hmm. I was mesmerized by her on screen, and uh, and loved, just loved the acting so much. I, I just, I wish I, I guess I just wish I loved the movie as much as I as I love the performances overall. But, uh, cool. but yeah, like I get it. It's fine. It, it's, it's, there's some real virtues to it. Just for me, it, it's, it's almost most in the in the look and 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 the acting so much more mm-hmm. than in the movie.
0: Richard, how about you? I'm going to go, gosh, a little bit. I'm going to go, I'll go B minus. But, but uh, yeah, B, B minus to B for me right in there. But uh, yeah, Hawkins is, is great. and, And some of the performances really elevate this and, and some of the directorial choices really elevate this and some of them kind of demerit this some so it's just kind of Mm -hmm. an uneven watch for me um but some some really great moments and some great performances and and uh for someone uh there's a certain amount of my friends and, and people i know uh that i would heartily recommend this for uh but it doesn't get like the everyone would like this which is normally like what
1: an a is exactly man this this has such a I don't know, film school quality to it. Doesn't it though? Like you're going to be, yeah. let's review the shape of water in 10 years. It's very, it's got that deal. Del Toro is, like I said, it's not, it's not shy about his messages at all. That's for sure. Okay. Let's move on and hit a weekly recommend.
3: Weekly
4: recommends.
1: Okay. We will start off with our guest, Alex, for his recommend.
4: Yeah, so uh, last
1: uh, right about this time
4: last year, I remember hearing about this little French movie that uh, was maybe possibly going to hit theaters. You could tell it was like it'd be a small-time indie thing. Even if it did limited run, one or two weeks in theaters, uh, it's called Raw, and I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. I I didn't catch it in theaters. Like I said, I I must have been some other stuff in the time that took priority. But uh, it was on Netflix. It's been on for a couple months. Finally caught it yesterday, and it's. Uh, Holy crap! First of all, I mean it's it's basically to put it like in uh, the the elevator pitch, it's like a coming of age story, like directed by like Dario Argento about like cannibalism. And <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but it's 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 a really fantastic little tale about this. Uh, like I said, this French girl who goes basically goes to bed school. And I mean, beside but not to get into spoilers, people are intrigued to watch it because I definitely recommend it. Um, you know she. She, like like anyone maybe just now starting to go to college. They, she discovers some vices. She discovers some new interests and in things like that. And uh, hers just happens to be a little a little more uh, gorier than than some other ones. So it, and it's just a kind of a perfect little an interesting eccentric coming beach chail disguise uh, as something you know this little sprinkling of horror in there. It's, it doesn't go in, all in on the cannibalism uh, trope of it, but it touches on it and. And uh, it's kind of another like sisterly bonding movie too, which is which was really unexpected about it. Um, so I definitely, I definitely seek that out on Netflix. It's not there's a couple of cover your eyes moments just out of the Ooh, yeah, yeah, kind of moments of it, but other than that, it's it's uh, definitely an enticing watch and one of my favorites of the year. So I would seek that out on Netflix raw.
1: Cool. I have seen that, but I'm glad that I got your endorsement, and I will yeah. check that out. Cool. Um, okay, Brian. I'm going to recommend
2: a movie that is on Amazon Prime uh, that you can check out. I think I recommended this earlier in the year, but it was not accessible to any- – I say earlier in the year. At some point in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't accessible to anybody at that point. So uh, it is now, and I-, I know a couple of friends had uh, had heard my recommends said, oh, I want to see that. So now it's out there. So please check out A Ghost Story, uh, which is Casey Affleck and Rooney Mar. David Lowry, who we love <laughs> – I think Dallas' own. Am I right on that? Yeah, Can't, yes, David like Lowry is yeah. is Dallas's own. Yeah. Love David Lowry. Uh, Shot love that movie, movie
1: in Dallas. As matter yeah, of yeah,
2: it's it's got a real chance of getting into my top ten. I don't know about yours, Kent. Uh, it's simple. It's it's so small. It, it to me, it's like a perfect example of like what you can do, what any good filmmaker can do with uh, extremely limited resources. And it's like why I get frustrated when justice league sucks and it's like how did you do that with 300 million dollars a year disposal when david lowry shot this uh for like three thousand dollars on an iphone you know what i mean like it's just, it's it to me it's like a prime it, it the the material is a little weird and out there um mm-hmm. but it's 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 a beautiful movie and it it looks awesome and it's just it's it's i don't know it's like an incredible example of what you can do as a filmmaker and and uh i i quite enjoyed it so it's it's out there it's available now mm-hmm. and And I hope some of our listeners will will check it out.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And um, check out our our eventual top 10 list, maybe for some more combo on that. Mm For sure. Coming. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to recommend a documentary this week that I saw on Netflix. It is a documentary about art called Blurred Lines Inside the Art World. And this documentary is really about the art houses and how they have kind of inflated what the value of art is in these art houses that have sold paintings for $200 million, $300 million for, for a painting. And it really has caused this kind of weird conversation about what the value of somebody's art is. If there even is a monetary value you can put on it and kind of this ripple effect that it's had in how people make art. Like some there's a section in here where they talk about artists that create art solely for the purpose of selling it. Like, is that art then? Uh, so there's this, it's a really intellectually kind of stimulating conversation, but it's also very informative from a educational standpoint on, uh, kind of that world of like, how do paintings get in museums and things like that, uh, is really informative in that, from that aspect. So it's on Netflix. It's called blurred lines inside the art world. Uh, not great from a production standpoint, but a very informative documentary. If you don't know nothing about that, I would suggest watching that if you have Netflix. So uh, check that mm-hmm. out, Blurred Lines. Not the uh, Robin Thicke music video, but check that out too if you can.
2: I recommend that as well. And the Marvin Gaye song that it stole from. Right. Just just cover all Blurred Lines,
1: I think. Yeah. Like. Shout out to Miley. All right, uh, go
0: ahead, um, Richard. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a podcast that I know you two have listened to, uh, and we recommend earlier in the year on a different subject. Uh, the Origins podcast is back. It did, uh, it did the Curb Your Enthusiasm kind of oral history. It's like a podcast. Oral history is the best way to describe it by uh, James Miller, who does uh, oral history books. He did the ESPN book, and he did... Um, the CAA book and the SNL book and uh he's just a really kind of interesting uh culture writer media writer and uh he has a new podcast and the new he he has a podcast called Origins and he does like two or three seasons a year um about a different topic the first like I said it was was Kirby enthusiasm the second one is about ESPN And it's a really interesting, I like it more. I I like, I love sports, uh, but the more I've listened to this and I was like, gosh, I I would pretty much recommend this to anyone. Um, The first episode is about the social media policy of ESPN and the issues they've had, uh, with Jamel Hill and and various other people, when do you how do you tell employees like what they can and can't publish, especially in a really public facing company? And it's just a really interesting sort of management, even though it's it's about ostensibly sports and and sports media. Um, it's a really interesting study on how how the world has really changed and and how corp- corporations should act. And it's just I found it to be a really captivating, hour and a half, um, and loved it. And then the second episode is about my favorite show of all time, Part of the Interruption uh, which is the greatest show in ESPN history and probably television history, I would say, um, <laughs> the most uh, impactful and favorite show. And it's about the history of that show and what makes it unique. And that's a really interesting, a cool story and really fun characters on it. Uh, but also B, uh, how it really effective on like, how to manage something, how to build a small business, mm-hmm. how to, um, actually operate something cool and maintain your sanity and, and, uh, you know, and how to break the mold within the mold, kind of in a way, and really do something interesting and innovate uh, within it. It's just a really, I thought, uh, really smartly executed uh, podcast. So both those episodes are great, but the second one, episode two on PTI, is is the best, and and, yeah. and Mr. Tony is king of all of us.
2: Mm-hmm. Incredible, listen. That, I mean, I, I blew through both of those uh, yesterday, I guess, and it was that's some of my favorite. Yeah. Some of my favorite podcast listening, uh, ever really, I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal. Even if you're not, you know, there's, (laughs) there's not a whole lot of people who are like, nope, just totally out on, uh, on ESPN completely. Never, no, not familiar. I'm unfamiliar with the the subject. Um, but it's, man, it's, it's really good. Listen period.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Very, very cool. If you've seen PTI on just kind of how the show was built, why they have the clock, why they have the rundown. Why it's called PTI and pardon the interruption. It's very cool. I loved it, how Easter eggy it was, and I I feel way more informed now on the show. I like to show more now after listening to that. Very cool, very good. And, and the curb episodes were great too. If you haven't heard those, that's a side recommend too. Go back and listen to those. Those are those are wonderful. And companion that with our rants and raves, Your enthusiasm. Now on your podcast feed from Mad About Movies. Okay, Brian, where can we find you online, sir? You can find me on the Twitter at bgail12.
2: You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. dot uh, com. Richard,
0: where can we find you? You can find me on uh, all social media at uh, Richard Barden or the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which will be out first uh, of February. Alex, my friend, thank you for joining us. What would you yeah, like to you? You. do? You, do you stay? Do you stay secret? Do you want to give out your social media or maybe your uh, if you write movie reviews where we could maybe find? Yeah. Those? Oh, no,
4: I'm very much on the social media. So uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at AlexLynch695. And yeah, if you guys would let me indulge nice. myself and plug my my little blog, uh, uh, it's dalexlynch.wordpress.com. I have all my reviews on there. And uh, yeah, that's
1: where you can find those. D as in letter D? Yeah, D. D, D as, A- as in letter Alex dot dot com. Cool. Yep.
0: cool. What was and your three. social media handle again? AlexLynch695.
4: Nice. What was cool. your social security I should number say again? Two. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one, two, they don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> at some point this year, we think we'll have some of Alex's stuff on uh, on our website or in the
1: newsletter. Cool. Contributor, you got the stamp of for approval. Sure.
2: I'd
3: be cool. happy to do it.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, next week, we are talking the post. So until then, for uh, Brian and Richard, I'm Kent. We'll see you next time at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs.